Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is the Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to TNT Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for joining us on this Thanksgiving. If you're in the United States, this is a national holiday. Thanksgiving is one of those major holidays, along with Christmas. Independence Day, Easter is one of the few times when people get together as family and share a big meal, sometimes a turkey, if you can afford it, if there's any in stock. But otherwise, it's great to get together with family, with friends, and at least take a half day off. Some people anyway are lucky enough, uh, but we're here. Uh, we're here. We're here. In position reporting for duty, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We're going to be joined uh, by our guests uh, in a few minutes. Uh, In the first hour, we're going to be joined by our trusted correspondent, our trusted analyst, the man who always keeps his eye uh, on events, has his finger on the pulse. Basil Valentine is going to join us in hour number one. Hour number two, we're going to be joined by our research assistant for the show, Christian James, who's got some Pretty interesting uh, look-ins on the uh, new legislation in the UK, the Investigatory Powers Act by the UK government seems to be more intrusive. That and more from Christians keeping an eye on those important issues of the uh, ever-encroaching police state. And by the way, what happens in Britain is really a road test for other countries. So if you pay attention to what's happening in the UK, you'll be able to know what could be rolled out in the very near future or attempted to be rolled out wherever you are in the world. Very important conversation. That's why we always have Christian on the show regularly to give us updates on these important issues. Now, uh, in terms of breaking news uh, today, well, we thought we'd start off with a Thanksgiving story uh and not not a great story but inflation is an issue in the united states well it's an issue for some uh for certain people if you're in a higher income bracket uh, it really doesn't make a difference at all what the day-to-day staples are uh it's nominal you might not even notice but for most americans uh it's something else food banks Food banks are now providing the Thanksgiving staples for a larger percentage of Americans. Now, we've seen the explosion in use of food banks in the United Kingdom, where a lot of people have been forced uh, in below the poverty level, fuel poverty, to begin with. The cost of utilities is extortionate. That's also designed to push people down into lower income brackets. A lot of people don't know that's how yeah a lot of people don't know that's how it works uh so inflation driving more americans to food banks uh for thanksgiving staples food prices continue to increase because of inflation more americans say thanksgiving is turning into a trip to the local food bank to get essentials for the holiday feast not just the turkey but everything else so this is the first time that we've seen people having to pick up boxes for everyday staples from food banks rather than just the extras for thanksgiving this is a report from brenda stewart she told uh the newspaper an online journal the epoch times uh i'm not a destitute i have a job but i cannot afford to make thanksgiving dinner the way prices are going at the grocery store of course this is true i've experienced this myself uh in terms of noticing the explosion in prices just in the year 
year that's passed in the U.S. There's also inflation in the U.K. Obviously, it's not as steep, um, but in the United States, it is pretty steep in the U.K., but in the United States, it's literally off the charts. And I never thought I'd, in my lifetime anyway, pay $7.50 for a toothbrush. Uh, but the, uh, this is what we're seeing. So some things are somehow controlled or less expensive. Other things are just staples and basic things are through the roof. Unbelievable. So this is the situation. And is it going to get better? Uh, a lot of people are hoping that it will, or at least a slowdown in inflation. We're not going to see deflation. I think uh, prices are up and they're going to stay up so long as also fuel stays high. And that is a direct result of U.S. government policy. So it all tracks back to government. Government causes the booms, the busts, as does the central bank. Uh, we, the plebs, are just meant to sort of take it downstream, cross our fingers, and hope for the best. What else can you do? So anyway, we'll touch on this issue uh, maybe later in the second hour with Christian. We'll get a report of how things are looking on his side of the pond in the U.K. and Europe. Uh, but and breaking news on the Middle East front, of course, we'll discuss this with Basil Valentine uh, in the next segment. But uh, we have a situation where the ceasefire, the much anticipated ceasefire, which we hoped uh, would have taken effect uh, in the next uh, few hours, uh, seems to have been pushed back uh, to Friday for some strange reason. So uh, it seems like the Israelis cannot uh, agree on the terms. So this is the reports out of Qatar. Uh, they're saying actually it's going to get delayed till Friday. This includes the hostage swap that we talked about on the show yesterday, uh, the initial hostage swap, 50 uh, Israeli hostages for a, a further 150 on the Palestinian side. Uh, there's mainly women and children on the Palestinian side. So uh, what does that mean? That means we have a delay. What does that mean? Does that mean it's actually going to happen on Friday? No, it could be kicked down the road. It could be kicked down the road till till Monday or Sunday or Monday. Who knows? Anything can happen now. But this is what we warned about yesterday. And, of course, this is what I talked about on the news bulletin uh, today as well. Is we don't really know where this is going to end or where it's going to begin. So anything can happen. Shots are fired. One side accuses the other, breaking the ceasefire. Next thing you know, the whole thing's off. So this is a very sensitive issue uh, for all parties involved. Uh, there's a lot of political capital at stake for pretty much everybody on this. Um, but will it provide any sort of a humanitarian pause? Will it be concomitant with the opening of the Rafa crossing, allowing aid to get to the people that need it? This is uh, people that have been under siege for the last six weeks. So they've cut off medical supplies, food aid, fuel, uh, electricity, water. Israel controls all of this going in and out of Gaza, which many regard as the world's largest concentration camp. Well, looking at the events over the last month or so, it's hard to argue with that assessment. It really is. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not uh, holding out any great hope. Uh, they're talking about ceasing military activities or stopping bombing for six hours a day or something like this. So it's really not a ceasefire. It's really not. It's uh, temporary, a few hours respite, maybe, in order to do hostage exchanges it really shows uh that if these are israel's terms um it really shows that they're not really serious about peace they're not really serious about any ceasefire they're just not 
They're just not. If they were, they wouldn't have put all these caveats on it and caused all these delays. So, and by the way, we also learned that previous attempts uh, to do this in the past were rejected by Benjamin Netanyahu. That's come out as well in the last 24 hours. So really, if you're looking at someone to uh, lay the blame at, if you're looking for a pair of shoes to lay the blame at, look no further than the office of the Israeli Prime Minister, Bibi Netanyahu. So unfortunate, but this is just the way it is. This is the way it is, unfortunately. So anyway, that's what's happening in the Middle East. I'm sure we'll get more pithy details from this from Basil Valentine and also uh, some movements on the Ukraine front. Polish truckers are blocking the border uh, with Ukraine. Why? They're protesting the fact that the EU has lifted any license requirements for Ukrainian truckers. Okay. So what they're concerned about is that Ukrainian truckers are flooding the market with cheap goods. They're not an EU member, yet they're being treated as such, uh, allowing to dump their goods into the EU common market. Namely, Poland will be the ones who will suffer first on this. But that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is, with all these sort of casual checks uh, at the border, um, there's a massive amount of smuggling. Uh, and trafficking going on, of course, coming from the cr- most corrupt country uh, in Europe uh, or greater Europe, you could say it's, they're not in the EU, Ukraine. So a lot of corruption, a lot of trafficking coming into the EU via Ukraine because of this lax policy and this lax system designed to help the Ukrainians um, and also people who are so, so-called volunteers, i.e. mercenaries, who are fighting for the Ukrainian side in this losing proxy war for nato um they also have these sort of visa requirements uh border waivers and things like that so um in between those the vehicles that they're in empty trucks uh going back and forth as well picking up uh illicit goods no doubt so a lack of checks and balances the polls are saying no we're not having it they're blocking the border and this is costing a lot of people a lot of money uh, as the time goes by. But it looks like they're serious. This looks like a red line that's been crossed uh, here. So that's an interesting development. There's a lot of problems in Ukraine. It's actually compounding. Uh, I, we, we saw a report, it's kind of disturbing, from the Russian MOD. They estimate that Ukraine lost 13,000 soldiers last, last month. Uh, I believe that's in October, 13,000 in the month. So you haven't heard much as things have kicked off uh, in Palestine with Israel. You haven't heard much about Ukraine. But rest assured, the fighting continues. And the bad policies that we saw previously that led to such high levels of casualties on the Ukrainian side, those have continued. Clearly, they've continued if, if these figures are correct. Now, someone say, you can't trust the Russians on this, and we're going to say, well, why not? Um, Because they've been pretty accurate so far on so many other things. Why wouldn't you trust them on this? I'm sure it hurts. Politically, it does hurt. We'll talk about that and more uh, in the beginning of the second hour when we do an international news roundup. Uh, In the meantime, let's take a break with TNT, today's news talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We'll be right back. 
You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I, I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Sure. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Take us back in time, and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's gonna protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. We're back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're still in hour number one. Thank you for joining us here on TNT Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Now we're going to shift over to, well, we're going to, talk about what's happening in the u.s there's been a significant political fallout 
in, as a result of what's happened in the Middle East. So we'll touch on that. Plus, we'll also talk about what's happening on the ground as well uh, in the occupied territories with Palestine and Israel in this conflict that, uh, well, I can't really call it a conflict. It's something else altogether. But we'll we'll discuss that. Uh, the situation is not getting better particularly uh there's talk of a ceasefire talk of hostage swaps there's just been a delay announced so they pushed the pushed it back to friday we're told according to qatari sources we'll see if that actually holds itself this could go indefinitely uh that can can be kicked down the road indefinitely i want to welcome onto the program basil valentine uh who is our trusted uh, analyst who has his ear to the ground, has his finger on the pulse of this and so many issues. Basil, how are you? Well, thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you. And hello to listeners all around the world. Basil, uh, your your view on what's happening now, significant political fallout in the UK, as you know, with the Labour Party on this issue of what's happening in Gaza, ditto with the Biden administration in Washington. And here we are, Thanksgiving. It's the big holiday, Turkey, parades, all the rest of it. Uh, and then we have this talk of security warnings in the state of New York after a false alarm on the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, I think it was yesterday, the day before. It turned out to be a nothing burger, but Fox said it was a terrorist attack for a few hours until they had to walk it all back. Uh, where are things on this right now, Basil? First of all, the uh, non event of the so-called terror attack that's all sort of designed to frame uh, hamas and palestinians as terrorists who have somehow got out of the cage in the gaza strip and threatened the united states which is a total fabrication uh, the you know there was no terror plot but the suggestion of course is that somehow uh, Hamas is the equivalent of uh, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, or other groups that simply sort of homicidal maniacs who go around the world doing things. Whereas, of course, the whole Palestine-Hamas Middle East question is about land and human rights and freedom and the right to self-determination and all the other things that Palestinians have been denied for the last 70 years. So they have no reason to attack the continental United States. And obviously it would be a PR disaster. But that is the implication from even this sort of shadowing um, talk. Uh, on the ground at the moment in the United States, of course, it's Thanksgiving and the annual um, mass, the annual Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City, Macy's famous event, sort of uh, start of the holiday season and uh, outpouring of supposedly Christianity and nationalism, I suppose, patriotism in the US. You celebrate Thanksgiving there more than Christmas. It's sort of the biggest holiday of the year, I can gather. Um, and first of all, uh, I'm pleased to say that solidarity for the Palestinians comes from the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe of Massachusetts, who uh, held a banner in solidarity with uh, Palestine on their float. But even more significantly, it appears the parade has now been halted by a mass demonstration of thousands of people blocking the path of the parade, a sit-in. Uh, on one of the major avenues, boulevards in New York City. Um, so that will be something that the national media in the US find very 
difficult to ignore. Protesters are sitting in the road, chanting, not another dime for Israel's crime. So, you know, this is unprecedented. There's, you know, the Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York is, you know, um, you know, very traditional event. I don't think it's ever been disrupted. I mean, I don't think even at the height of the Vietnam War, it was ever disrupted by anti-war protesters. So, you know, this is indicates another indication of the total disconnect between the uh, United States oligarchy, that's what it is, and the people that they claim to represent, the vast majority of whom want a ceasefire. But you've got the APAC-dominated Congress, oligarchy and White House voting to continue supplying arms and money for the genocide. Yeah, it's just been ridiculous uh, for the last, I don't know how many weeks, Fox News is characterizing all of these pro-Palestinian marches in the U.S. as anti-Semitic marches or protests or what, they, what else are they calling it? Uh, Hamas, well, Hamas. Hamas yeah. protests. You know, and most yeah. people don't even know who Hamas is or don't understand what Hamas is in America. But the media are very keen to paint it like this in order to polarize uh, and label and divide and then accuse anybody who's got a dissenting opinion against U.S. policy on this as being somehow in league with terrorists. That's the basic media treatment on this issue. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's fundamentally dishonest and misleading. Um, first of all, uh, the vast majority of protesters, uh, many of course, whom are Jewish. I mean, this is a really important point because um, the uniform support of the American Jewish community for Israel is what has shored it up for the last 70 years. And that consensus has now broken up. There's no doubt about it. There was a tape recording of Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL came out a few days ago saying we've got a major problem we've lost the young people you know um and it's true that you know one by one um group by group um organizations like jewish voice for peace and uh, if not now are becoming emboldened their numbers are swelling and these people are calling for a ceasefire in what way is a ceasefire pro-terrorist you are simply trying to save lives and you know i've seen people uh, posting very correctly on x that even if a ceasefire did supposedly allow hamas to regroup or whatever um that is still no justification for bombing refugee camps hospitals and everything else the situation on the ground in gaza which we must always reference in these talks patrick is worse than ever you know the bombardments as azawin stanley of electronic intifada pointed out are often at their heaviest prior to a ceasefire you know the israelis like to get in a lot of big bombing raids before they have to stop and they're only going to stop for a few days it was due to be as you said it was due to be the ceasefire starting today it's now been put back till 10 a.m tomorrow morning uh, in the meantime the suffering on uh the streets of gaza the bombing raids continue not just in the north north middle south all over absolutely nowhere is safe desperate situations in hospitals um only three doctors for 150 patients and one nurse you know people being wheeled down the street on um gurneys you know 
just uh, apocalyptic scenes, Patrick. But um, as you say, you know, uh, the US public are generally shielded from the worst of it. It's only now that we have social media that, you know, people can log on and see for themselves. And the stranglehold on the narrative has been broken and it's been broken once and for all. And there's no putting that particular genie back in the bottle. So on this uh, story about the ceasefire, uh, so this is the latest out of Qatar. A four-day break in hostilities has been confirmed by Hamas uh, uh, via their Telegram channel, which we're keeping an eye on to see what press releases they're putting out. So Israel and Hamas have agreed to a temporary ceasefire, 7 a.m. local time Friday. Uh, this was announced as well by the Qatari foreign minister and a spokesperson for the ministry said that Hamas will release the first group of 13 hostages at 4 p.m. local time, Jerusalem time uh, on that day, 4 p.m., 13 hostages scheduled to be released. New York Times uh, has also said uh, that they're saying this is confirmed. So, but again, this was all said yesterday, Basil, that it was all scheduled and confirmed. And then in the evening, our time, we realized uh, that it wasn't, it was going to be delayed. So um, same thing could happen tonight. So it's kind of a fluid, what they call a fluid situation. Um, I'm looking at, uh, you know, how this is boating for future negotiations. If they can't organize this, then, you know, what what hope of their, uh, what hope is there of any sort of, you know, lasting peaceful solution to this conflict. I mean, people think that they can, as bad as this is, that it's going to be some pretext to kind of tie this thing up and, you know, draw a line under it and, you know, get to the peace talks table and sort this situation out. This is what everybody's saying, um, who I think are a little bit naive. Uh, and what we really see is a lot of talk of the two-state solution, Basil, which is an important debate, of course, because people are throwing that out there as a, some sort of uh, viable uh, option uh, after the dust clears from this. And I personally think it's a red herring. I don't think there's much of a state left uh, for the Palestinians. So for them to accept a two-state solution, to me, is really the status quo, uh, in effect. And it'll be a long, painful, drawn-out process with negotiations meanwhile israel will do what they always do which is build thousands of settlements on uh retaken land annex land illegally occupied land so that's the reality of the situation but you know just for the people in gaza it'd be nice if they had the relief of not being bombed for at least 48 to 72 hours i mean this is very exasperating very difficult situation it's also believed that uh, over 200 people, including foreign nationals, um, are in, in, involved, are still available for a swap um, in their in custody of Hamas at the moment. And on the Israeli side, this is an interesting fact here, Basil. Before October 7th, it was estimated that Israel had some 6,000 uh, prisoners in the Gulag system, which they run for political prisoners including women and children palestinians uh, but mostly men and since that time that number has doubled uh estimated between 10 and twelve thousand people are incarcerated in this chain of gulags which israel maintains um, these are all people mostly in arbitrary detention or what they call administrative detention which according to the UN, is actually torture, arbitrary detention without charge or anything like that. That's torture, according to the UN and Geneva 
uh, conventions as well. So, that, and that that means that this problem is not going to go away, even with this hostage swap. I mean, you could call it progress, but it's, you know, to to have real justice, to have some real sort of viable alternative, I think you know many people, many more people need to be released uh, from this sort of gulag system that Israel's running. I don't know how else to describe it, Basil. I mean, it's one of the most egregious breaches of human rights, ongoing breaches of human rights that Israel commits. And one, of course, that uh, U.S. talking heads basically ignore completely. You know, it simply isn't an issue in the United States that we're very excited about political prisoners in China and uh, Russia and anywhere else, but not in Israel. Um, of course, the irony is that even with this prisoner swap, it's highly likely that there will be more Palestinian people in the Gulag uh, than there were before October the 7th, even after the prisoner swap, you know, um, depending on on uh, how many get released. have been snatching people from all over the West Bank over the last couple of weeks and also inca incarcerating um, Israeli citizens who are Palestinians, I believe, uh, of Palestinian ethnicity. So I also want to make a point about the framing. Um, the people being held by Hamas are referred to as hostages. Uh, you know, perhaps quite rightly so. Uh, the people being held by uh, Israelis are referred to as prisoners. The term prison automatically implies somebody who is guilty of a criminal offence. That's why they've gone to prison, just in the same way that Gaza is erroneously referred to as a prison camp when a concentration camp is more accurate. So um, also uh, the women and children being held by Hamas are referred to as just that, um, whereas uh, I noted the BBC, amongst others, referred to the children being held by the Israelis as teenagers. So there's this misframing goes on all the time. The people that have been snatched from the West Bank by the Israelis are effectively hostages. They have been uh, taken against their will into custody and, by the way, are quite possibly being treated far worse than the people uh, taken by Hamas. Uh, let's remember that the uh, elderly lady... Uh, who was released oh, two or three weeks ago now in the early days of this disaster, uh, said that she was treated with particular kindness by her captors. Uh, that certainly isn't the case with people in the Israeli Gulag. In fact, the security minister has been to the jails and said he wants to see prisoners treated particularly harshly. You know, he's at, you know he made that public statement, wants to see them very harshly treated. Um, so... You know, we, we hope that a prisoner swap takes place. We hope that um, during the ceasefire, somebody is able, some international body is able to sort of drive a wedge into the Israelis. But whether it's a permanent ceasefire or whether it's, as you say, uh, a lasting settlement, two-state solution, this, you know, mantra this you know corpse of a political solution um which has been dead for 30 years you know um 
you know what is going to come out of it in the short to medium term is is this ceasefire going to last for longer than four days i very much doubt it because the israelis have not finished their killing uh, and they say they want to kill every last hamas member so what does that actually look like patrick you know does that mean bombing carries on for months you know does that mean house to house uh raids by israeli commandos in every last residential district left standing of the gaza strip you know we had the uh former minister Ayelet Shaked saying earlier this week that all two million Palestinians need to be relocated they must all go somewhere else and uh, western nations have to take them and brace themselves for a mass influx of you know complete ethnic cleansing is their agenda but as you say others the feeble you know um milk toast people like uh, tony blinken and uh you know, other western diplomats you know saying no no you know gaza must still be so for the for the palestinian people so you know good you know nobody knows what's going to happen there's so many different uh, ways it's being spun in like multiple directions at once. And you brought up the other point, which I want to address is uh, in, here in the United States, um, but also in Europe as well. I've seen these in London. And there's a big part of this sort of PR campaign from the Israelis is posting the pictures of uh, Israeli hostages on the streets of America. They've got billboards. Uh, they're, they're, they're everywhere, basically. And they're trying to say kidnapped, kidnapped, kidnapped. Okay, fair enough. Um, these are hostages. Um, however, uh, they're not acknowledging the, t the 10,000 plus Palestinians that have been snatched uh, and have been in uh, indefinite detention in some cases. I think one woman up to 45 years so far for what they're, they're all political prisoners, basically. Um, so but that that's really a big part of the framing of the propaganda is uh, this uh, getting getting Americans to um, somehow bond with these uh israeli hostages and delegitimize de um any uh of the palestinian people that are in the israeli gulag system and you don't even hear about it actually and it's almost like well they sort of deserve it that's the implication there they deserve it why because they're palestinian they're yeah. arab or they're muslim you know even even worse if they're yeah. muslim they really deserve it you know but that that's the that's the impression you get here in america in how they treat this issue absolutely and it was uh vocalized by that chap uh, seldowitz is it steve seldowitz mm -hmm. uh the former obama administration official haranguing and verbally abusing a, a falafel seller on the streets or not just one i mean several because he appears in different outfits as well um saying the most abysmal things you know four thousand dead palestinian children is not enough uh and this is a guy that was responsible for u.s policy 20 years ago and has been hanging around the sort of permanent washington new york think tank so-called think tanks um ever since he's since you know, been arrested there go on yeah well he's been arrested hasn't he um yeah but We'll yeah. talk about that in a sec, but I just want to add, Basil, that he he was uh, working with Madeleine Albright, of all people, uh, during the uh, genocide uh, that the U.S. carried out in Iraq uh, with, I don't know how many, what, half a million dead Iraqi children. And Madeleine Albright, former Secretary of State, uh, really a princess of darkness in her own right, um, said that it was a price worth paying 
We don't know what, why, but we, she just said it was worth it that they killed all uh, yeah. these Iraqis. So he That's worked right. for her. He worked for her, but he's been arrested, Basil. He's been, has he been picked up on what? Some kind of um, uh, hate, hate speech? Hate crime charges. Or? Yeah, hate that's crime. right. Okay. Hate crime charges. Um, but what he's done is uh, provide a window into the mindset of uh, the U.S. State Department as to you know what they really think. Biden himself apparently uh, was hesitating about even the brief ceasefire uh, that we're going to hopefully see tomorrow morning because he didn't want reporters getting in and uh, then exposing the extent of the nightmare on the ground in Gaza because that would weaken US support for what Israel is doing. Um, you know, the Israelis have always preferred to conduct, preferred to conduct their business in darkness and uh, for decades, uh, Gaza and the West Bank have been underreported you know, children are shot in, in in the West Bank. I mean, I think before October the 7th, something like 200 Palestinians had been murdered by a combination of settlers and the IDF in the West Bank before October the 7th. How many of those were featured on US national television? Answer, none, you know. So uh, it's going to be very interesting if Western reporters do go into gaza tomorrow morning uh or whether they're too cowardly or whether they get instructions from uh the federal government not to do so you know what well, it's going to be also i mean that's that, that that's a stunning statement there um a slip of the tongue if you will from the white house saying that the reason they don't want reporters getting in during the ceasefires because they don't want them uh you know reporting any scenes or you know putting out any information or images that might weaken that might weaken the uh, uh support for israel i mean I, I when i read that i thought it was i thought it was a joke actually i, I know I like, he he didn't actually say that did he yeah apparently i mean because you know for decades but particularly over the last few weeks there's been a concerted attempt to dehumanize Palestinians. As you said, these people are Arabs, like that bloke Seldowitz said, they're subhuman. You know, not we're dealing with animals. Lots of Israeli spokespeople have said that over the last few days. And uh, although the Biden administration position isn't as extreme as that, nevertheless, they stand shoulder to shoulder with people who are saying that. Likewise, Rishi Sunak, Keir Starmer, and von der Leyen and all the other creeps in Europe. So cameras go into Palestine, you know, from major networks, other than just the brave souls that we see on the X platform. And suddenly Palestinians can become human beings. You know, suddenly you realize, actually, they're not even all that brown skinned. A lot of them have got fair skin and blue eyes wow look at that they actually look like us and those children look sweet and there's no reason why that girl should have her legs blown off and so on and so forth and that then means that the dehumanization becomes fundamentally undermined once and for all uh and and then israel is in big trouble here's what they said uh the 
administration, this is from Politico, the administration remains wary about Netanyahu's endgame and seeming lack of a plan for what to do once Hamas is defeated, if Hamas is defeated, I might add there. Um, there was no sense that a pause or a ceasefire, as we, we called it, Basil, there, uh, would turn into a lengthy ceasefire, a senior administration officials said, and there was some concern in the administration that about the unintended consequence of a ceasefire, quote, pause, and that would be to allow journalists broader access to Gaza and the opportunity to further illuminate the devastation there and turn public opinion against Israel. There it is in black and white, Basil. And this is why the Israelis don't want UN investigators in there. They don't want Human Rights Watch investigators in there. They don't, don't want Amnesty International in there. They don't want any of these international NGOs. They don't want uh, all, all these international bodies to come in, neutral bodies, I might add, uh, to go in and basically uh, catalog and record what are clearly war crimes and crimes against humanity. I mean, isn't that the whole point of the siege? especially to keep the media out and then they're not going to be able to cut off the electricity forever so they're basically saying no we're going to maintain this scorched earth policy this media blackout and carry on with what we're doing and when we're done mowing the lawn is what the israelis call it mowing the lawn it's what they call bombing palestinians by the way if you're not familiar with that term yes they do use that term that is colloquial uh idf talk mowing the lawn in northern gaza then they're going to move on to mow the lawn in southern gaza and i dread to think that there's people cheering for this but there probably are um, especially on the political right sadly um, but that's another discussion we can have about politics basil but um anyway i'm here with basil valentine he is our uh, trusted uh, analyst and uh, comment on this and so many issues you're listening to tnt today's news talk i'm patrick henningson your host stay with us we'll be back after these messages give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg what you're about to hear is worse than fake news it's dangerous it's made up baloney and it's designed to instill fear and hatred here's real-time host bill maher so here's something really scary. Mike Johnson, he's the Republican Party new head chief over there in the House. Uh, this came out, he was talking to a prayer group. He said, depraved America deserves God's wrath. Came out there. Exactly sounds like bin Laden. Now, yeah. the, now the Republican guy sounds like bin Laden. And Trump sounds like Hitler. And here's the disgraceful former Republican congressman, Adam Kinzinger. When you look at who the Taliban is, and the Taliban is all about, hey, we want to take Sharia law, this, this thing that we believe in, we want to religiously implement this into our government. There is no difference between Christian nationalism, which is what he's representing, right. than the Taliban. Now, maybe the end is different, maybe yes. the means are different. Now, these statements would be true if Mike Johnson were calling for a massive terrorist attack against all Americans. And if he was planning on uh, taking away his the rights of, of, of everyone who doesn't agree with his religious beliefs, women, gays, everyone who doesn't agree with his religious beliefs. And if Donald Trump were throwing people into ovens and gas chambers from the concentration camps, which of course, none of which exist. So uh, until then, until these are true, these fear-mongering inciters uh, should just give it a rest. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Listen to my show 
Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished. Everyone deserves to live a full life. And with your help, together we can end hunger. Join the movement at feedingamerica.org slash act now. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to TNT, today's news talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for rejoining us. We're in the first hour of this live broadcast. And uh, at the moment, we're covering uh, events uh, in the Middle East. We're doing an update as well on the political fallout uh, in the West. And we're speaking to Basil Valentine. He is a commentator, political commentator and analyst here on the show. And uh, Basil, I want to ask you about the terms of political fallout um, in the U.K., uh, there's much talk about you know how Labour was going to waltz in and win the next general election uh, on the back of Keir Starmer's leadership, um, but things have changed slightly, haven't they, in the last six weeks because of this issue, because of what's going on, the ongoing ethnic cleansing and genocide uh, by Israel against the native Palestinian population in Gaza. This has created a bit of a blowback. Uh, for labor hasn't it in the uk what's the what's that scene looking like because i know you're a keen follower of uk politics go ahead um well the danger is that we're going to see uh, progressively the the normalization of the abnormal with respect to gaza in other words it starts to slip down the news priority list you know news managers start saying well okay so another refugee camp has been bombed so another 300 people have been killed today we're used to that um politicians no longer feel it necessary to justify their positions on a day-to-day basis um and the you know as you said before the break the mowing the lawn continues into southern gaza um, and maybe there's talk of a peace conference at some unidentified point in the future, but uh, actually the situation on the ground remains absolutely hellish. Um, I hope and believe that isn't the case. The Labour Party is supposed to be the progressive anti-war party, just as the Democrats in the United States are supposed to be. But under Keir Starmer's leadership, uh, they've been anything but. Uh, his spokesmen are now starting to contradict each other about whether or not Labour supports a ceasefire or not, or this rather ghoulish term of humanitarian pause, an absolutely abysmal term, uh, which means that you can have a sip of water and a crust of bread before we blow your legs off. Um, But uh, other than a lot of councillors resigning and individuals resigning their membership of the Labour Party, uh, Starmer's support appears to be holding up. That's only because the Conservative Party is in such dire straits over this issue, but also over the economy. There's the awesome statement yesterday from, believe it or not, Jeremy Hunt, the former health secretary, is now the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Patrick, you know, first Lord of the Treasury. Unbelievable to think, really, you know. Somebody is little finger, little, little finger, little finger, the master of the coin. Yeah, exactly. 
somebody as intellectually lightweight as that you know um so the tories are hoping that uh, a political revival for them will be sparked by some sort of uh, revival in the economy although analysts are saying that um the announcements are likely only to benefit the top 20 percent of income earners surprise surprise yet again it's just more neoliberalism um in terms of where people vote at the next election well they can either vote for genocide with the tories or they can vote for sort of i wouldn't even call it genocide light <laughs> or they can vote for genocide with the labor party um people are saying they're going to vote green uh we might see a, a rise in support for uh the liberal democrats a bit but some of these other much vaunted freedom parties reclaim and reform richard tice lawrence fox these people they've come out pro-genocide firmly pro-genocide the sort of so-called alt-right those looking to break up the two-party duopoly in the United Kingdom, uh, they're all fully on board for massacres, you know. Well, it, se it seems like they're um, they're sort of, the, it's it's an anti-Islamic thing. It's uh, yes. it's a, combined, combined with an anti-immigration talking yes. point, so anti-Muslim combined with anti-immigration, uh, anti-Arab generally. Um, so yeah, there's uh, clearly that's that that's the the drive that's driving their sort of talking points. So they're 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 doing victory laps right now because of the uh, Dutch elections. If you haven't noticed, um, <clears throat> yes. Holland's orange man, Holland's own orange man, no pun intended, uh, Gert Wilders uh, sweeps into power with a massive mandate, uh, and obviously you can't get a more Zionist politician than this if he could trade places and serve in the knesset i'm sure he would um but uh but yeah he's he's pretty strident in his rhetoric as well um hates muslims hates immigrants hates everybody uh who's not <laughs> doesn't look like him i guess so i mean i know it's it, it I'm, i might sound like um, i'm being extreme here for some people but if i if you followed the exploits of gert wilders He's been involved in some very, very dubious events uh, over the years, and I dare say, um, dodgy events even in the United States. Uh, events that the FBI were involved staging a false flag terror event. So, I mean, that happened in Garland, Texas. Gerd Wilders was flown in just for that event. A lot of people aren't aware of that. Of course, we broke that story at 21st Century Wire. Uh, shocking as it may be, we were proved correct uh, on that subsequently because of whistleblowers testimonies but uh yeah gert wilders was a, was there at the invitation of pam geller so these are some very dodgy individuals very much connected to israel israeli intelligence and staging these events around the world in fact uh and not for good purposes i might add but uh, that's my gert wilders uh two two pieces there basil what are your thoughts on this well, you know, Wilders has tapped into uh, anti-immigration sentiment in Holland, which is traditionally an extremely liberal, uh, progressive and tolerant country. But, you know, then again, hundreds of thousands of people have uh, migrated to Holland in you know, the last few years, you know, fundamentally altering the demographic you know, balance of the of the country. So, you know, it's perfectly understandable that people should 
react to that. Um, same thing's happening in Ireland. Uh, to a lesser extent, it's happening in the UK. But it's got nothing to do with the Middle East. And I find it bizarre that people like Wilders and, of course, Javier Millet, uh, the Argentinian Trump, uh, elected at the weekend as well, um, that, that these uh, people take the, the, the stance that they do, because strictly speaking, you would think that they were in favour of indigenous people uh, living on their historic uh, national homelands, which means Palestinians living in Palestine, which means Iraqis living in Iraq, uh, and or, you know, Afghanistan, Afghanis living in Afghanistan and so on and so forth. Yet, for some reason, these people support the wars and the Israeli agenda that drives these people out of their homelands. So it makes absolutely no sense at all. But the reason why they do is because it's fundamentally anti-Muslim. Uh, uh, and there's been this deliberate uh, conflation between what's happening in the Middle East, which is about land, human rights, freedom, peace, all the rest of it, uh, and to an attempt by, I think it's very dishonest by the by the right to frame it as East versus West, as civilization versus barbarism, which is exactly what Netanyahu's been trying to do. And yet how more barbaric can you get than blowing the legs off children? Yeah, and that's why he's that's why the Netanyahu uh, rhetoric is really resonating with these uh, political elements in the West is because he's he's painting it as you said, a very good point, Basil, as a clash of civilizations. That is literally what he's hanging his hat on in order to get support from uh, from the from the right or, or the far right, you could say, or the alt right or whatever in the West. Um, but that's kind of disingenuous because, you know, Israel's a colonial settler state. I mean, that's like Europeans invading the Middle East, occupying land, kicking people out of their homes, killing them, massacring them. Um, it, it, you know, what what about that? It, that? That's obviously a big problem. That's the reverse argument of immigration. And all that instability is what's been driving all the wars. It's been driving massive migrant flows into into the west is because of that so it seems like basil this is a vicious cycle and at the at the core of this vicious cycle looks like the problem seems to be the creation of the state of israel quite obviously i mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work it out ever since 1948 uh basil but the i guess that's benefited some countries hasn't it namely the united states britain other European countries have benefited from this instability. What do you think? A final minute, final thoughts. We're going to wrap it up, Basil. Yeah, I mean, up, up to a point. I mean, um, the uh, immigration into Western Europe that people like Wilders uh, object to largely comes from countries that were attacked entirely without reason by the United States uh, with the full-throated support of Israel after 9-11. So, you know, you've got a lot of Iraqis turning up, a lot of Afghans, uh, Afghani men turning up in Western Europe because their countries were destroyed. Likewise, Libya, you know. Um, so, you know, you as you reap, so shall you sow, you know. Uh, some people say that it's a deliberate Israeli plan in order to weaken the West. That's the, you know, there is, a, or, or there are also people on the right who say that. So it, it's a very complicated and nasty situation at the end of the day um 
and uh, you know we can only hope that that if there is a ceasefire tomorrow it lasts longer than the scheduled three or four days oh absolutely and certainly that's what the people of gaza are hoping for um they need they need a break from the bombs uh in order to find their family members buried under the rubble i'm not being dramatic there that's actually the problem that's actually one of the big problems right now basil uh -huh. valentine commentator journalist thank you for joining us on tnt this week much appreciated thank you patrick there he goes ladies and gentlemen that is basil valentine uh, a great leading voice of common sense uh, among all the chaos that we've been witnessing over the last month or so let's take a break here top of the hour news headlines are coming up and we'll be back in hour number two with a lot more so stick around we'll see you in a few